Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. We started a, a series preaching through the book of Jonah that we've titled On the Run. And of course, we know the story behind Jonah, how that uh, he was running from the will of God and the, and the plan of God and, uh, and was being disobedient and winds up in the, in the belly of a, of a great fish and at the bottom of the ocean until he repents. And of course, we're dealing, as we're going through here, taking it slowly as we go through the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Jonah chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 13. It says, Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to land. Talk about the ship, in case you haven't been here. Uh, the ship is being tossed back and forth by a, a very great storm that's going on. And it's because of Jonah, because of his disobedience unto the Lord. And they can't right the ship. They've thrown uh, most of the stuff overboard. They've, they've called unto their pagan gods, little g. And nothing's happening. They're not getting anywhere. They've, they went through the whole process. And now we find that they're battling in this storm here. It says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done it as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. And then the men feared the Lord and exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And, of course, Jonah confessed that he was the one that brought about the uh, struggle that they was having with the, the storm that was upon the sea and upon the ship. Look back with me in verse 13. It says, Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Rowing Hard is Not the Answer. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we ask, Lord, that you'd meet with us. Lord, even tonight in this time, Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me of my sin where I fell you even this day. I pray, Lord, that you would help me, Lord, to be uh, on spot with what you want preached. And, Lord, I pray that you would be increased, Lord, that the people could see you high and lifted up. And may I decrease. May you be glorified in all that's said and done. Speak to our hearts. Draw us near to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. We find that Jonah was on the run from the presence of the Lord, as I said, being disobedient. You know, disobedience to the Lord never brings about anything good. Uh, you can say what you want and you can think that, boy, you're going to get by with it. But if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you can run all you want, but you can't hide. You can run as far as you want to go, but you can't get away from the Lord. You can go any direction that you want to go, but you can't hide from him. The fact is, is that Jonah went the opposite direction that the Lord wanted him to, and uh, he found himself in, in the midst of a storm here, and he was supposed to go and cry against that wicked city, Nineveh, and deliver the message that God was going to destroy that city if they didn't turn their hearts to the Lord and repent. And so he finds himself now in this storm, he's brought on by his disobedience, not by these men. These men were pagans. They didn't believe in the Jehovah God. They had other gods, but they... They find themselves in the same storm with him, and the ship's about to go down, not only with him, but also with these shipmen that's on there, these mariners. 
And so they're paying the price, you might say, because of his sin. Can I bring that up? And we, I think we dealt with it last time. That your sin and the things in your life will affect those around you. The Bible says, He that uh, uh, no man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. And so our lives are continually affecting everybody around us. You may think that, oh, it's just my own sin. It's just not going to bother anybody else. But that's not true. Many times it may be a neighbor. It might be a family member. It might be a husband. It might be a wife. It might be somebody that you don't even realize is watching your life. It may be somebody at work that they're continually watching your life. But when you allow sin in your life as a Christian, it not only affects you, but it affects those around you. And we see this in the life of Jonah, how that he was, was on this ship and he brought his, his storm, you might say, into their lives because of his disobedience. So to this point, they've lightened the ship. They've prayed to their pagan gods. And had even found out who the cause of the storm was that was upon them. They been asked. They asked Jonah uh, uh, if, who his God was, and then they even went to the point of saying, "What can we do to calm these seas?" And Jonah tells them in verse twelve, which we didn't read, but in verse twelve he said, "He said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you." For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. You know, the sad part is, is that it had to come to this point where they were about to die before Jonah ever confessed that it was his fault. You know, sometimes as a Christian, we, we drag everybody through the junk. And we don't want to admit it's our fault. We don't want to get to the place where we admit, hey, listen, there's some things that need to change in my life. We're always quick to see things that needs to change in somebody else's life. But hey, listen, it's, we need to look at ourselves. It's good for each one of us to look in the mirror. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Other than being a pastor and preaching what I'm supposed to preach and delivering the Word of God to you and doing what God has told me to do, I'm not responsible for you. You're responsible for you. I'm supposed to help you as much as I can through the Word of God, be there for you, pray for you. But when it comes right down to it, you're going to answer to God for your own life. But the sad part is, is that your life may affect his life. Your life may affect his life. Your life may affect their lives. They're continually watching. And every one of us in here, we have a great duty as a Christian. If you know Jesus Christ, you're saved. You have a great duty. You have a great responsibility. And could I change it from responsibility to say that you have a great opportunity to point people to Jesus Christ and to see others come to know Jesus Christ, that they might one day receive Jesus Christ their Savior and have a home in heaven. Well, first of all, let's look here. Rowing hard don't change the storm. You know, they tried different things. They, they tried lightening the ship. Uh, you, and earlier in the, in the chapter, they took things as the storm got bad, and they began to pitch things overboard. The storm was so bad that they was trying to lighten the ship. Now they've asked Jonah and said, what will it take? What will it take for us to calm this storm down? If this storm is because of you, if your God is so great, and your God is the God that has brought this storm upon us, apparently this was unlike any other storm that these mariners, these shipmen, had ever seen before. Otherwise, they would have thought, well, we're just in a storm. But they knew something was different about this storm because they cried unto their gods, and they began to ask, whose fault is it? They found out that it was because of Jonah. So after they found out, they said, what do we need to do to calm this? To, you know, he says, cast me in the sea. He said, take me up and throw me out in the sea. 
He said, then it'll all become calm for you. Now look at verse 13. It says, nevertheless, nevertheless, verse 12 said, he told them how to have the sea calmed, to stop the storm. It says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. Apparently, they could see land. They could see it, but they, was, they couldn't get to it. And said, nevertheless, instead of throwing him overboard, they rode a lot harder. They began to try to paddle that ship, trying to get it over to land, trying to get away from the storm, trying to get to a place where they could get on land and get out of the ocean. But they couldn't. They couldn't. So, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was, was temptuous against them. That nevertheless means that they didn't take the measures necessary to calm the storm. Many times in your life and my life, we face storms that we've brought upon ourselves. And sometimes it's storms that maybe we didn't bring upon ourselves. It's just sometimes storms are just in our lives are just things where God's trying to get us to grow. But sometimes those storms are brought on by our own selves. And we get into the Word of God, or maybe the Holy Spirit begins to deal with our hearts. Or maybe we hear a message. Or maybe somebody points it out. Or maybe we just know what it is. And we know what it'll take to calm the storm. But many times we're just like verse 13. Nevertheless. We know what it's going to take. We know what God has already said it'll take to get things right in our lives and to change the direction, to change the storm, to calm it down. And, but we pick up that word, nevertheless. And they rolled harder. You see, many times in our lives as Christians, instead of doing what we're supposed to do, taking the measures that need to be taken in our lives, to draw an eye to God. In fact, the Bible says, draw an eye to God and He'll draw an eye to you. I've used this over and over. It's, stand, stand, get up there, Blake, real quick. I, I use this continually. But it, it's worth repeating because we need to understand this. If this is the Lord, and because of my situation, because of my sin, because of the way I'm living my life, God hasn't moved. But because of my sin and the direction of my life, I've been moving away from the Lord, away from the Word of God. God has never moved. He never moves. The only time He's going to move, the Bible says, if we'll draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to us. And so if I will look at my life and realize, hey, wait a minute, this is wrong in my life and I need to change this. I need to confess it to the Lord. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so I confess my sin to the Lord. And that's the first step that I take towards God. And when I do, God takes a step towards me. He said, draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to thee. And so as I'm trying to draw nigh to the Lord... He's drawn close to me. Now, he's not changed his stand. He's not come into the world. He's not condoning what I did. But in fellowship, that's been restored. And so as we do the measures that are the, what needs to be done in our lives, we can have the storm calmed. 
But too many times, it's like, stand back over there. Too, too many times, it's like this. I'm away from the Lord. What did I say I need to do first thing I do? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Folks, I'm going to be honest with you. Christian, listen to me. First step in getting things right is go to the Lord, confess it, admit it, look at sin the way God looks at it, quit trying to candy coat it, quit trying to say, well, I just kind of messed up, quit trying to say, well, it's not that big a deal. Hey, look at it the way God looks at it. He looks at it as sin. A lot of people don't want to look at their life and say, I've got sin. Well, I'm just not really where I'm so. You've got sin. And the first step is to confess it to the Lord. And to confess your sin to the Lord is to look at it. The, that, if you look up the word that is translated into the English language, confess, the, the word means to look at it as God would look at it. And calling it what God calls it. So my first step is that I got to confess to the Lord. Do you want know many times we we're going to roll a little bit harder? I'll put some money in the plate. I'm rolling a little bit harder. But it didn't get us any closer. Well, I'm going to, 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 I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to read my Bible. Let's see. Uh, there we go. Oh, I don't like that one. Mm, I don't like that either. It says, kiss the son lest he be angry. He's already angry. So what I'm thinking is, I'll read my Bible. I'm rowing harder. Maybe it's, I just go to church. I sit in the pew. But I have never took that first step of confessing to the Lord that I've sinned and asking for forgiveness. All I'm doing is rowing harder and we're not getting any closer. The storm's still coming. The storm's still raging. Lord, it's not my fault. It's Jonathan's. It's his fault. Lila? Well, we knew that. We knew that. We, we knew it was Lila's fault. I mean, you know. It's your brother, not mine. And we'll put the blame on somebody else. May make us feel better. Well, you just don't know how I was raised. You don't know how I was treated. Well, if you've seen what happened at work and how they treated me at work. But we're not getting any closer. And the storm's still raging. So we have to take the measures that makes a difference. You see, they looked at this and they said, you know what? Here's the drastic measure. Levi, come here a minute. Pick a little guy. This is Jonah. Here's the drastic measures. Good hold of him. 
The drastic measure is this. Over that, over that top of that chair is the ocean, okay? <laughs> and what we've got to do is we've got to take some drastic measures. And we've got to throw him overboard. Thank you, buddy. I wouldn't have thrown you now if it had been me and somebody else doing that with him. We'd have probably thrown him over. <laughs> it's going to take a drastic measure. You know what? Most of us are not willing to make the drastic measure. Many Christians today don't want to take that hard step. Sometimes to calm the sea, it takes a hard step. It takes a, a, a drastic measure to change things. Number one, it's admitting to God. It's admitting to God. Better get that before Levi gets it. <laughs> so we see here that they needed to throw Jonah overboard. It's a drastic measure, as we said. But instead, they kept on rowing. They kept on going at it harder. As I said, sometimes there are some things that seem drastic in our lives that are needed in order to calm the storm. But too often we cling to the nevertheless instead of saying, okay, God, I'll take that step. We try everything else before we take the step that's needed and truly calm the storm. First of all, as I mentioned, we've got to admit and confess it to the Lord. Secondly, we may even have to get it right with someone else whom we've wronged. What? Oh, yeah. You first get it right with God, but if you've wronged somebody else, you've got to get it right with them. <laughs> you know, preacher, I can come up to the altar and I can pray and ask God to forgive me, or I can get on my knees here in my pew and I can pray and ask God. But if I have to go admit to Levi or to Blake, or to Wyatt, or to Cy, or to Matt, that I've done them wrong? I just don't know I could do that. Then buckle the hatches, your ship's going down. You see, sometimes it takes that drastic measure. In fact, the Bible tells us in, over in Matthew, he tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, says, Therefore, if, any, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother have aught with thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer the gift. He said, be reconciled to the brother first. He said, make sure that things are right between you and, and your brother. There may need to be some changes of who or what is on board in our lives. Sometimes there's some things that need to be discarded. Sometimes there's some relationships that need to be severed. Sometimes there's some things that's got to be changed in our lives in order to calm the storm. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But listen to this. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh, them shall have mercy. And so that is trying to sever. You say, well, well preacher, I, 
I've got this sin and I, and I struggle with it and I confess it to the Lord and, and, and I think and I'm trying to put it out of my life and, but it seems like it comes back again and, and then I struggle with it and I confess it to the Lord and I try to put it out of my Just keep putting it out of your life. Just keep putting it out of your life. You're trying to forsake it. Just keep pushing it away. You'll get there one of these days. But don't, uh, don't stop because, uh, well, I'm, I keep on struggling. No, keep on, keep on pushing it away and, and keep on going for the Lord. I want you to also notice here the, the heart of those shipmen, those mariners, compared to the heart of the prophet of God who was out of the will of God. Jonah was a prophet of God. But I want you to notice their heart. Uh, though they were pagans, and though they, they prayed to idols, they cared more about the life of Jonah than Jonah cared about the lives of those in Nineveh. Let me say it again. They cared more about the life of Jonah than Jonah cared about that city of 120-some thousand that was going to be destroyed. Not just one person, 120-some thousand in Nineveh that God was going to completely wipe off the face of the earth if they didn't repent. Say, preacher, what'd you bring that up? Because when you're out of the will of God, your life is only about you. And you don't care about lost souls. And you don't care about hurting other people. It's only about you. And it's sad today that I find some Christians that their life is so about themselves instead of about others. And our lives should be about others. They might come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They might come to a place in their life where they realize that, hey, listen, it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ and Him being magnified and lifted up. And the way that we lift Him up is to bring Him before others that they might know our loving Savior that cared for us. We're all sinners. Hey, listen, I don't care who you are. I don't, I don't care what your background is. I don't care what, how much money you got in the bank, what kind of car you drive, or what kind of house you live. We're all sinners. And if you're saved, you're saved by faith uh, in Jesus Christ through grace Amen. and the mercy of God. Had not somebody went to you, you'd be lost and on your way to the devil's hell if not already there. Oh, how we ought to care about others. It's pretty bad when the lost world puts us to shame in caring about lives of others. You say, well, preacher, I mean, are we just supposed to do this and do this and do that? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're just supposed to do everything because sometimes people have to learn and sometimes got, people's got people where they need to be, where they have to look up. But what I am saying is, listen, we ought to care about the souls of men. And we ought to care about one another. And not our lives being about us. And so we see here a, a stark reality here that they actually cared more about Jonah than he cared about Nineveh. And secondly, the Lord is always at work in lives, even if we're not. Look there in verse 14 through 16. It says, Wherefore they cried unto the Lord, talking about the mariners, and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, 
we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Uh, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. These men were no longer calling on their gods, little g, the little pagan idols. They, you see here, look, look, at, look how it's written there. And they cried unto the Lord. Notice that's Lord spelled in all capital letters. When you see Lord in all capital letters, that's Jehovah. Jehovah God. The God of heaven. The creator of the heavens and the earth and the universe and all that there is. You see that they cried unto him. And they said, we beseech thee, O Lord, again, spelled in all capital letters. And they're crying unto Jehovah God. That word Lord in, in, that, in, in, the, in the Hebrew that would have been there, they would have been crying, Oh, Jehovah, is what they would have been crying. Because that's what is translated into the English as Lord. They would have been crying, Oh, Jehovah. Their gods were not called Jehovah. And so they were calling unto the God of heaven now. God was at work in their lives even though they, they had nothing to do with Jonah and his sin. Now God's working in their lives also. We don't see Jonah telling them about the Lord. You go back and read that. Nowhere do you really see other than he told them, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Hebrew and I believe in the God of, of heaven who created the, the land and the sea. And that's about as far as he went. He never even told them that he was a prophet of Jehovah. So God's at work in their lives. You see, in your life and in my life, we go through storms and go through difficult times and struggles. Sometimes the storms and difficult troubles come because of us. And sometimes it comes because of life. Can I tell you, just because you're going through a storm doesn't mean that you've got sin in your life. I'm going to say that again because some of you don't have missed that. Just because you have a storm in your life doesn't mean that you've got sin in your life. But it does mean that God's going to use it to work in your life. God doesn't allow things in your life, but what he decides to use them. Even if there's sin in your life and a storm comes in your life, God is working through the storm to reach you. Even if Satan comes at you and attacks you, he's working through what Satan might try to do. If you're a Christian, he's working to try to draw you back closer to him and make you stronger in the Lord. So many times we don't realize that, that the storms is not, not always because of sin. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord, is there something that's not right in my life? We should ask that question. Lord, what is it that you want me to get in this storm? Is there a reason there? And so we find that he's working in the lives of these men through the storm that's in Jonah's life, really. They've been affected by the storm. They've been affected by what's taken place. Now they're calling on Jehovah God. They, now they see the power of an almighty God. Instead of uh, praying to a little wooden idol that, has, that its mouth doesn't move and its ears can't hear and its hands can't move, now they see the hands of a mighty God at work in, in, in the sea and all the tumultuous sea. And, and then they, especially when they cast a, a Jonah into the, into the sea and it became calm. 
causing them to see that this was no regular storm. This was a supernatural storm brought on by Jehovah God. And so God was working in their lives. Can I tell you that in your life and my life, when we go through storms, no matter what type of storm it is, the people are watching, and the way we handle the storm is going to make a difference in their lives. What we do. It's so important that we handle the storm as we should, that we look unto the Lord, and really what we should be doing is we should be pointing them to, to, to the Lord, even during the storm and causing people to look at. You know what, during all this COVID stuff and everything, one of the things that I, that I have continually, and, 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 I don't, and I, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not being cold. I understand it's a, it's a bad thing. I understand people have died from it. I understand all that, and, and, and I'm sympathetic with that and, and, and all. But can I tell you something? What a great opportunity for us as Christians to show our faith in the Lord and to trust Him. I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't do this, don't do that. You do what, what you feel like is, and what the doctor have you do and all that, and, and, and that's fine. What I'm saying is this. Don't be fearful. We have a mighty God. And that's what I'm talking about there is that a lot of Christians, I see Christians wringing their hands. And I understand a lot of, there's been different ones who have lost family members and loved ones. I understand that. And it stirs our hearts and it hits close to home. But is there not a God in heaven? Is not God the author of life and death? Does not he hold the key to it all? And so why not trust him? Because can I tell you, if it was not COVID, it would be something else. Because when it's time for a person to pass, God's going to take them. And they're not going to pass until he's ready to take them. And so what I'm saying is, is in our storms, we want people to see the Lord. These men, because of such great power of God and seeing the storm being a supernatural storm, they turned their hearts to the Lord. You, saw, you see here in verse 15, so they took Jonah and cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging confirming that it was from God. But look at the fear that fell upon these men because of it. The storm was over. But now they, there's a great fear that come on their hearts and lives. Why? Because they just realized that's a powerful God. That's a mighty God. It's in verse 16, it says, And the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows we're told in the Word of God that the, the fear of the Lord brings wisdom. Over in, in Psalms 111 and verse 10 it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. These men got some wisdom that day. That wisdom was that telling them that there is a God in heaven. 
Oh, that people, when they look at your life and my life, would gain some wisdom. That there's a God in heaven. A mighty God. A powerful God. That is, is, is over all. And those here says a good understanding. Uh, have all they that do, do His commandments. His praise endureth forever. They no doubt got a good understanding that man should keep the commands of the Lord. I imagine the rest of their lives I can just almost hear them talk about it. Well, there's one day we had a man on our ship. His name was Jonah. And he was running from the God of heaven. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You don't run from the God of heaven. You better live according to what the God of heaven says. I can just imagine maybe if they're in a town somewhere and a, and a prophet of God came and was holding a meeting there and was, I'm just going to call it preaching a revival. I imagine they, their ears perked up and they probably looked at You better listen. That God's mighty. And it made an impact in their lives. Today, people ought to get an understanding of, of the Lord because of our lives and how that the storms are handled in our lives. You see, these men made vows also. They made sacrifices. The sacrifice was in worship and to honor the Lord for His greatness and almighty power which they had, had just experienced. Here's some men that this is their first experience, you might say, with Jehovah God. And now they're worshiping Him. They, give a, they do a sacrifice unto Him. They make a sacrifice unto Him. Then they make vows, no doubt, uh, to serve the uh, Jehovah God, the true and living God that, that they had just witnessed His power. They, they make the vow, we're going we're gonna to live for Him. That guy may not, hey, listen, he's running from God. We're not going to run from Him. And they made vows unto the Lord, no doubt, to, to live for Him. So we might say that there was good that came out of this storm in the lives of these mariners. One of the things that I've noticed over the years, God's going to get the glory out of your life as a Christian one way or another. Either in life or in death. Either in life or in death. If you're truly born again, God will get some glory out of your life, either in life or in death. Several years ago, when I was a youth pastor, it's been a long time ago, I told you about the young man. His name was, was Jimmy Adams. He was running from the Lord, basically. He was running from doing what was right. He moved out of his home because he didn't like the rules. He didn't like going to church. And he claimed to be saved. He lived with, with his aunt up at Fredericktown. And he was having parties. He was driving without a driver's license. He, uh, or no, he, was, he, well, he had a driver's license, but he got it taken away because of drinking and driving. But he continued to drive with, uh, uh, without, with a revoked license. He had a party at his aunt's one time when uh, she was gone and his girlfriend uh, started across the street uh, uh, from the party and got hit by a car, put her in the hospital. I mean, things was happening in his life, trying to shake him up. There was st a storm that had settled in his life. 
Then one night he was out driving and the police knew he'd been driving without his license and they had been watching for him. And he got in, they got in behind him and they took him out. He went out of Fredericktown and crossed over Highway 67. I've been down this road before many times. He went down what they call Mill Creek Road. You get down about a mile, mile and a half down Mill Creek Road, there's a real sharp right. And in that curve, there is a, uh, a concrete culvert that sticks up, or the, the sides of the concrete that sticks up by the culvert where it goes under. He dropped a wheel off the side, apparently, hit that culvert, flipped that car up on its top at a high rate of speed, slid it down the highway, and went out into eternity. Before that happened, two weeks before that happened, his mom and brother went up and talked to him. He looked at his mom and said, Mom, I know you don't think I'm saved. He said, I really am. And they said, well, Jimmy, why don't you come home? He said, I, I will. But he said, I'm, I'm really kind of enjoying my friends right now. Come on, Jimmy, just come on home. He said, I know I need to. And he said, I will. Two weeks later, they have his funeral. Being a youth pastor, I preached at a lot of youth camps, revivals, different things like that. Jimmy's mom came to me. And she said, I've Roma, she said, Brother Haggett, she said, I want you to share what happened to Jimmy. She said, I don't want his death to be a waste. She said, I want God to get the glory out of it. And in many, many instances in preaching, sharing with that, that what ha happened with, with Jimmy, I've had teenagers come back to the Lord, get their hearts right. I've had teenagers get saved in different ones. God will get glory out of your life or out of your death if you're saved. One way or another. And here we find that these mariners, they throw Jonah overboard. It calms the sea. And God gets some glory even out of Jonah's rebelliousness as they turn to the Lord. Then in closing, look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And I'm not going to get into the prophetic picture here, but that is a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ being in the grave three days and three nights. And you go over New Testament, and the New Testament talks about it. Jesus talks about it as, the, as, in the, as Jonah was in the belly of the, and he calls him a whale there. Uh, three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the earth. And it's a picture of what was going to happen to Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Okay? But I want you to look, this is what I want you to look at here. And the very first part says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. The Lord always prepares for the next step in your life. Your life is not a gambit to the Lord. He doesn't roll the dice and try to figure out what next. God is always has something prepared for the next step in your life. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're at spiritually. God has a plan. And he has something prepared in your life as a Christian. If you're lost here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he has something prepared. See, preacher, what is that? That you would come and receive him as your Savior. That's what he has prepared 
if you're not saved. You say, well, preacher, I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. What's he got prepared for me? I can't tell you that. God knows. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah as the next step in Jonah's life to bring him how? To bring him closer to God. Remember a while ago? Turn back up here. Come here, Levi. Jonah gets thrown in the, into, the, into the... Come here, big whale. <clears throat> pick him up. You got him swallowed up, just pick him up. Just pick him up. Just pick him up. Turn around that way. I don't want to look at you. <clears throat> he swallowed him up. What was the purpose of that? Is to get him closer to him. You say, well, I thought it was to get him to Nineveh. He'll never get to Nineveh until he gets closer to him. You'll never get closer to what God wants you to do until... <laughs> Hang in there, Levi. You'll, ne you'll never get close. Come on, guys. <laughs> Messing up a good, a good illustration here. You'll never get closer to where God's wanting you to be until you get closer to God. You can put him down. Thank you, fellas. <clears throat> this guy's over here said, you didn't give me any money. You ain't worth it. <clears throat> the fact is, is that in our lives, God works in our lives to do the same thing that he did with Jonah. He prepared something to get him first close to the Lord, and we'll be looking at that as we go in the next chapter. The fish was the means of not just getting him to Nineveh, but it was the means to humble his heart to get him to God. In your life and my life, God has the next step prepared. You say, well, preacher, what if we're not running from God? God has the next step prepared. Why? For the same reason, to get you closer to Him. You see, all these other things, if He can get you closer to Him, they just fall in line. But God's purpose of the next step is always, is always to get you closer to Him whether it's to get you to get right with him, to get close to him, or whether to get you just to follow him closer and have a closer walk with him, his next step always includes getting you closer to him. And so we see that he prepares the way. He prepares the next step in your life. As it was in the garden, Jesus, as he prayed, he said, not my will, be done, but thine be done, O Lord. Jesus knew what the next step was because he's God. He knew that he was going to go from the garden to the, 
to the, to the, the judgment hall and be abused and beaten and, 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 and all that was going to take place. And then he was going to be going to Golgotha and he was going to be nailed to the cross. He knew where he was headed. But in order to do that, he had to take that step. Not my will be done, but thine. God had the next step prepared, even with his son. So it should be in our lives, not my will, but thine be done. As he has the next step prepared to bring us closer to him. You know, what a blessing to know that even if it's not a storm, that God's the, he's got the next step prepared. Preacher, I just don't know what's going to happen. Well, you hear all this and I hear all that and all this stuff going on and, and this is happening and this is taking place and well, we're going to lose our freedom. They're going to, God's got the next step prepared. He's got the next step prepared. But it's going to mean getting closer to Him. I mean, there's a lot of junk going on right now. But just realize that God's got a step, a next step prepared for you and me. This bound. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercies and goodness to us. I pray now, Lord, that you'd help us to follow that next step. Help us to be obedient unto you. Lord, may you be glorified and magnified in our lives. May we lift you up and exalt you. We pray, Lord, that in the storms of life, Lord, that we would turn our hearts to you. Lord, that we would have a, a heart for those around us. Lord, may we not be like Jonah, but Lord, may we have a heart for others. And Lord, I pray that during our storms. May we live through these storms and draw nigh to you that others might see Jesus Christ in our lives and that the lost might be saved and Christians might be encouraged and strengthened. But most of all, that you might be glorified and magnified and Lord, that you'd be lifted up and exalted that people might see you as a great and mighty God. Have your will and way in this invitation. Well, there might be some, some here tonight that don't know Jesus Christ or Savior. The next step for them is to come and let's take a Bible and show them how to be saved may be that the next step in somebody's life here is just to come and kneel and say, Lord, not my will be done, but thine. Or whatever the need is, Lord, I pray that you would take care of it. May your will be done tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed?